Could Advisor produce content be the key to future growth in the UK protection market, maybe even the whole financial services industry? And would your policy definition stand up to the couch test or survive a mauling on social media? Welcome to episode 105 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. And now here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks for listening to the show, whether you streamed it, downloaded it, and whether you listened to it on the car, on the train, on the plane, or on the treadmill. Today is one of those occasional episodes where it's just me and the mic, talking about a couple of topics that have recently caught my attention in the financial services industry. I'm going to look at advisor-produced content and how we might use social media as a research tool when developing products to avoid future media problems. Recently, I spoke at the Protect Association annual dinner conference on how client engagement, not product tinkering, was top of my agenda for overcoming the stagnation of protection sales. Engaging clients with great content that informs them and educates them rather than pushes product to them. As part of the presentation, I asked everyone in the room to reach into their pockets or bags and hold their mobile phones high in the air. I was hoping to spot a basic old Nokia and perhaps make fun of it. But no, everyone had an up-to-date smartphone, either an Apple, a Samsung or another high-end brand. In fact, only one person in the room had a BlackBerry. I asked the audience what their devices were. Some said... I've got an iPhone 6S. Others quoted their Samsung model type. But unprompted, no one ventured that the device in their hands was anything other than a phone. A little more coaxing, and people started to realise the true power of what they were holding in their hands. First of all, it's a mobile TV studio. Now, most smartphones will take broadcast quality HD 1080 video. Some even capture 4K video which is better even than broadcast quality. There's nothing stopping advisors from creating great videos for their clients. Secondly, the phone is a portable radio station. Smartphones allow you to record audio. What's stopping advisors from creating great podcasts, answering their clients' questions, and adding value to their clients' experience? And thirdly, the phone is a virtual assistant. A smartphone lets you dictate into the microphone and your words will magically appear on the screen, often without any spelling errors. All you have to do is tidy up the punctuation. And as an added bonus, you get to write just like you talk, which is often much better than the bloated copy full of corporate management speak and jargon that we see out there. Further discussion and everyone was feeling positive about what they could produce using these amazing devices. But back to reality. Few people have started producing such content. Pete Matthew is well known for his 500 question and answers videos and his successful Meaningful Money podcast that people have downloaded over 700,000 times. Similarly, Martin Bamford of Informed Choice runs a well-subscribed podcast. Chris Dames, Chris Budd and a few others have written books. 
I'll assume they use the dictation feature on their phone to continue the theme of this um, podcast. But there's room for so much more content. So what's the problem? Is it time pressure? Well, you can dictate a 500-word article in less than 10 minutes. You can record a decent video in the same amount of time. Even broadcast it live and repurpose it later, if you like. Is it compliance problems that stop us? Well, as long as you're not pushing product and you're just informing or educating, there shouldn't be any compliance issues to worry about at all. In 2015, we only saw growth in the income protection segment of the protection market. Arguably, part of the reason the market grew was the success of the Seven Families campaign. Those seven videos, seven stories about real people facing financial hardship weren't promotional, but they were engaging and a good example of the sort of content we all have the power to produce. With the mobile TV studios, radio stations and virtual assistants we all carry round in our pockets and bags. Would your policy definition stand up to the couch test or survive a mauling on social media? UK Protection is paying 97% of claims. We've made definitions easier to understand and done a good job at removing jargon from our policies. Storytelling, as shown by the Seven Families videos, can engage clients and advisors alike. We can justifiably pat ourselves on the back about these achievements. But then along comes a national newspaper with a headline like this. Insurers that won't pay even if you lose a limb. Or hand over your life cover if you're terminally ill. Articles talking about so-called critical illness cover, in inverted commas, and sneaky small print, in inverted commas. These articles catalogue hurdles waiting to trip up potential claimants. We know the public still distrust insurance companies. All our good news stories over the years haven't overcome the public perception born of years of similar articles, scandals and watchdog reports. The Daily Mail report talks about when providers may not pay a claim. For example, only losing one leg rather than two. Being diagnosed as terminally ill in the last year of the plan. Not having cancer that's serious enough. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Looking back to the late 1990s when the internet wasn't fully established and tweets were just sounds birds made, you can imagine the conversations leading to those policy conditions were quite logical and justified. On the loss of two limbs issue, you can imagine people saying critical illness cover is about serious life-changing events. Everyone agrees that losing two limbs is life-changing, but is one limb? That's not as serious, is it? They should have PHI for that. And on terminal illness, the conversation may have gone like this. The client is taking out term insurance. If we pay a terminal illness claim in the last year, we are effectively giving them an extra year of cover for free. So they take out a 25-year plan, claim for terminal illness on the day before the end, we pay, and they don't die till the end of year 26, so, we've, so we have to put an exclusion in to that last year. These decisions, taken without malice, 20 or so years ago by people who had no idea of the coming social media revolution, set the protection industry up for some of the image issues it has today. And those decision makers didn't test the wordings with customers. They didn't foresee the problems they could cause. Once I appeared on a watchdog style TV show, defending my company because it wouldn't pay an angioplasty claim. The client only had the procedure performed on one artery. The definition needed two. 
I know how hard it is to defend such a decision on camera. The only excuse is that the policy says so. And that was before social media. Imagine the furore it would create now. After that TV appearance, I invented something I call the couch test. Named after the couch I squirmed on defending insurance small print. The couch test simply said, every time you add something new, every time you change a policy wording, we have to be able to explain it as if appearing on a TV show, as if sitting on that couch in the glare of the spotlights. If we'd applied the couch test to the two or more limbs or the no terminal illness claims in the last 12 months definitions, would we have done anything different? As I say, it's hindsight. But in the digital world, social media is our new couch test. You can run focus groups, of course, but ask the people who are going to buy our stuff what they think. Put the words on Twitter or run a Facebook campaign. Get people's feedback. Ask for their feelings on the subject. How would these words make you feel? Have you ever done this? Perhaps you don't want to put your top secret new condition out there for competitors to see. But... I think we need to be open and we need to ask. The feedback we get could stop us from sleepwalking into the next sneaky small print scandal. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with one of your friends or colleagues, either by email or social media. And if you've got two minutes, please do leave a review for me on iTunes. Until the next episode, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the topics, apps and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. If you are a business person, financial services professional or journalist and have a marketing or finance story to tell, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.